Welcome to the Dauntless Grace Exchange. I'm Megan. And I'm Deidre. And today we have an Enneagram 9 with us. This is Shaquita Weaver. She is joining us uh, as our nine. We have both worked with Shaquita in the past. In fact, um, she's taught at the school where Megan and I both worked and is currently still teaching a fifth grade class for newcomers. And I'll let her explain that a little bit more. That's in the St. Louis area. So Shaquita, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit more about your job and then we can interrupt you a lot. (laughs) Okay. So all of our students, when they come to the United States, they come from other countries. Like I have students from Honduras, Guatemala, Afghanistan, Rwanda, Congo, just like all over the world, basically. So they all come to the United States and they get a test to see, you know, how much English they speak, what their comprehension is. And if they are level one, like don't speak any English at all, then they put them in our school. So they have two years to, you know, learn the language, get accustomed to school because some of them have never been to school before. And then we just, you know, show them what school is like, and this is what the United States is like. And they're still learning grade level content, but they're learning it while they learn English and while they get adjusted to a new culture and climate and that kind of thing. That's a lot. Very cool. Do you have (laughs) translators for all those different languages that come in? Um, (laughs) The district has translators, but when they come in the classroom, it's basically like duck in water, like (laughs) <laughs> swim or sink sink or swim wow. so but I mean they catch on pretty quickly I don't speak any other languages and most of them don't speak English so it's a lot of gesturing and like trying to smile for my mask and a lot oh, of no. so oh <laughs> so yeah it's cool I mean I've been doing that for four years now and a lot of our students they can eat they get two years with our school so they can stay the full two years, or if we test them on the access test and their language is improved enough, they can test out of the school. So, Do you loop with your students, or do you keep the same ones for two years in a row? My first year, I looped with my students, but the past three years, I've been stuck in fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's a fun grade. They're, they're a fun group. But at, some, at some point, I should probably ask you Enneagram questions, but I'm kind of nerding out about that kind of job right now. Actually, the the way that, well, we met on like, like what, Zanga? Zanga. Yeah. <laughs> Which for all you little kids and or old people listening to this, like teachers raising her. I'm like, what is that? Yeah. No idea. Explain. It was a very niche website. Of course. It was like an online journal. <laughs> that college students and high school students and stupid young 20-somethings glommed onto for a couple of years there in the MySpace days before Facebook really took off. (laughs) What? It was just like two years and it was a thing. Yeah. Um, Although I can still access it and sometimes I go back and read it and I'm like, man, I was such a four and I didn't even know it. But um, so we met through that because I, I guess before Facebook was a thing at Greenville University, which is where we both went to school. We were a few years apart, but we kind of found each other through some mutual Greenville people on Zanga, I think. Um, I think I made more friends in college through random websites than I actually did in person. So, (laughs) but then I didn't really even meet you until you became my maternity sub when I had my youngest daughter about six years ago. So, yeah, that is weird. (laughs) That was a lot of 
to put in a stranger, basically. You guys had uh, about a week or two together before school started to kind of set up the plan. And then the first like day, of a day and a half. Oh, I thought we had some teacher and service days that first week before. No, I don't think so. Okay, so you came the first day of school. You were both there, and then the second day of school that morning, your water broke, and yeah. it was like, "All right, Shaquita's up. Let's do it." <laughs> it was really interesting, but <laughs> a lot of decision making that I wasn't comfortable with. I was like, "All right, guys, what do we do now?" <laughs> and that was a class that I had been looping with. I think. So I had had like the older kids, I think it was fifth and sixth graders at that time. And I had already had the sixth grade class. So they kind of ran the show for you for a little bit, probably. Um, I'm guessing that Deidre's daughter, Hope, was one of those kids who was like, here's what we do. And here's how we're going to do it. Just <laughs> personalities. We in that class. <laughs> and like the little me was like, okay, if that's how you want to do it. <laughs> I don't want to rock the boat. So I'm like, okay, we can do it your way. That's a great lead into talking a little bit about your Enneagram type. So tell us, when did you start learning more about this and, and really make a decision on the fact that you were a nine and felt comfortable with that? It was all Megan, I think. I think she was posting a lot about it and I was like, what is this? Like, what is it? It's not like, cause I've always liked personality tests, I guess. Mm-hmm. I know it's not like a personality test, but I've always like been interested in like the Myers-Briggs and the Strengths Finder and all that stuff. So I'm like, oh, cool. Another thing to tell me why I function the way I do. So I just like really dove deep into it. I took a couple of tests, which are not very accurate, I guess. And it kept telling me I was a two and it told me again, I was a two. And then it told me I was a four and I was like, oh, that's not right. That's not me. <laughs> so then I started reading deeper into it and I was like, I'm probably a nine or a two. And then I thought, am I a two because I'm the oldest daughter in my family and I just have to do everything for everyone or am I, you know, something else. So after like reading and doing a lot of research, I landed on nine, definitely nine. And it was a hard decision to make. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, we work with a small group at, at the college, you know, college girls, a lot of freshmen in there. And I've had a couple that have struggled between figuring out if there are two or a nine this past year. And it seems to be, um, because they are, they can look really similar, like in behavior. Um, and even those motives, sometimes it's like, well, am I doing this because I don't want to rock the boat or am I doing this because I want the belonging? Like sometimes it's really hard to kind of figure out that subconscious motivation, but the more that you have talked, even before we started recording this, I'm like, oh, you are a nine. Like that makes a lot of sense to me. So how did you finally land on it? Like, what did that, when did you finally go? Okay. That's the key. And yes, I'm a nine. I really think it was just the motivation of, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to, you know, make anyone mad at me. I don't want to disturb anyone. Like, I just want to like be chill and keep the peace. Like even in my classroom, my students, the first phrase they learn is chill out. (laughs) (laughs) I just want everyone to like be calm and at peace. That's interesting. I think my husband and one of my daughters did the same thing for months. They were going back and forth between two and nine. Um, but one of my sons is like, I think very stereotypically a nine. And so we started looking at some of the differences at that core level. But the other thing that really helped was the stances, because I would say my son is much more in the withdrawing stance than the other two. And so it makes a lot of sense that a two would be more present focused and more others referenced where a nine, they don't want to rock the boat, but they're not necessarily in the moment 
taking in data from around them in that same way because of the need for belonging. So that helped us a little bit as we sorted through that. And also the energy, I think twos are going to have a little bit more energy just over like naturally than a nine will. Because they're just going to be more doing dominant than that way, you know, where that's going to be a little harder for a nine to engage that doing center. Yeah, I think that as a nine, I'm just more laid back and I think more introverted as well. I've seen some twos who are a lot more extroverted and, you know, they want like the big group of friends and to belong. And I'm like, ah, I'd like to belong, but I'd also like to just, you know, go back into my hole and recharge my battery. And chill. <laughs> Still is very important these days. So when nines I've heard often don't have like a really strong wing, like that eight wing or that one wing, because nines are really good at balancing those wings. I'm wondering, do you relate more to that eight side or that one side? Like which one they're still both opposite of a nine. So which one tends to come out more for you? Yeah. I really struggled with like finding the wing because it like neither one really describes me. I mean, like, there are some aspects of the eight that I can see, but I think I lean more towards the one. So, but I don't know. Like, I've, that's one thing I've, like, I don't know what my wing is. I have no idea. Because I think that I'm just so strongly, like, this type. (laughs) (laughs) You're just balanced, rooted right in the middle there. Yeah. (laughs) That makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. I've just heard that a lot about nines. So, Let's talk instead about those like stress and security lines. A nine in their really secure, confident place goes to three, like really achieving. So I'm wondering, where is that for you? Where's that place where you can see that come out in your life? Um, At work, definitely. I think that, you know, at work, I really don't want to like rock the boat or do anything that's going to like upset the balance of the world. So I just do everything I can to like be the best that I can be and you know, push my students, push myself to, you know, try harder and uh, be great in my evaluations and get a second master's degree. Who needs a second master's degree? Me, I guess. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that's, that's interesting. The way you said it, that really shows the difference where, to where we go in stress and security versus why a three needs to achieve. It's like, you don't need it to um, wear this mask or, you know, to feel I like value. You value without that. Yeah. You, you are doing it to keep the peace, which is so crazy. That's exactly why you would do that. But how you keep the peace there is by being the best and by achieving, which is really interesting to me. That's cool. <laughs> It's so funny that you say that because literally I got this, the TESOL certification because we'd hired a bunch of teachers who weren't TESOL certified to teach newcomer students. And they basically said, get, get your certification or like go find a different job. So I'm like, okay, I can do that. (laughs) And, and they check on us and I I don't want to disappoint them and say, oh no, I haven't done it yet. So yeah. But you felt confident to be able to do that versus maybe if it was a, a different area in your life where that same confidence wouldn't have been there. But I mean, I do it every, I like everything that we're learning is stuff I do every day. So of course I'm confident that I can, that I can do it. I'm doing it already. Yeah. But, yeah. What's but your I mean, first master's in? Um, just, uh, teaching. I got my bachelor's in public relations, which was okay. completely the wrong thing. Like absolutely the wrong thing. <laughs> so did I got to discover that was the wrong thing <laughs> when I couldn't find a job after graduation. <laughs> <laughs> and just the idea of talking to people and trying to put out fires was like the most stressful thing I could imagine. Right. I was like, why would I do this to myself? <laughs> if you had known that you were a nine when you were in college, would you have picked a different major back then? Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. I don't know if I would have been teaching, but it definitely would have been something less, you know, people oriented. (laughs) (laughs) Something more, something more like low key and where I could do a lot of like introspective work and like hands-on stuff instead of like having to interact so much. Because I think that one of my big things is I feel the energy of everyone around me. Mm. So then that stresses me out and I have to like put boundaries up. And it's hard to put put boundaries up when you're in a classroom full of students and <laughs> like they all need your attention at the same time or when you're doing public relations and like whatever is happening is happening and having to like call people and contact them and it's too much. Too much. Yeah. We teach that in our Enneagram workshops about how nines often have the least energy of all numbers because they're always trying to maintain two boundaries. One where they're trying to keep in anything that would cause conflict out and keep out anything that would disrupt their inner peace. And so it's interesting that you actually said the word boundaries, because that is something that you're probably always subconsciously trying to maintain. And it is draining if all of a sudden you become aware of it. Right. And you have to like force it. Yeah. And like, even right now, my, my, we have custody of my brother's kids right now. So I'm also, you know, going over to help with them a lot. And then I'm doing like my master's degree and I was balancing virtual teaching and then regular teaching. So it was like a lot of energy <laughs> that I was outputting, but I wasn't really like recharging my battery mm-hmm. to bring energy back inside myself. So that's really interesting that you said that because, you know, you bring so much in that it, you're trying to put stuff out and it's just, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> Without dropping any of those balls, because it sounds like all of those things are important in this season of your life, how have you found to recharge then? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the word boundary again mm-hmm. and just letting other people know, you know, like I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. So I'm going to take some time to myself tonight and maybe not come help with the kids as much. Or, yeah, you know, I'm going to prioritize lesson plans over, you know, grad school work or vice versa. So really just like prioritizing my life and figuring out like what's most important and what's, what can be, you know, put aside for later or have like less energy attached to it. But the interesting thing about nines is they're both doing dominant and doing repressed. I say they, I mean, you are a nine, so you, Um, but what does that look like then? Because even just the act of prioritizing kind of creates a certain amount of doing that has to be done, you know, Uh, what, what are some ways that you've just been able to give yourself tools to cope when that's not an easy thing for you maybe to do first? Well, I just bought a house. So oh, one wow. of the rules is like <laughs> removing myself and just locking myself away and like going back, like just like taking a couple hours to myself. Cause I've done my parents' house a lot to help with, you know, my niece and nephew. So this has been like a really great way to just shut myself out and kind of unplug from the world. Mm-hmm. And also I've been doing a lot of journaling and getting my feelings and thoughts out on paper, which has been really helpful. That's good. And just like creating time for myself. I think that's been a big thing is trying to create time for myself. So I'm not dedicating so much of myself to like other things, which is where my two came in. I think is <laughs> that's where the confusion came in. That is, am I a two? I yeah. feel like I do. So. Sometimes you have to serve and do the things that are expected though, just because. Yeah. That keeps the peace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to make anyone mad at you or disappoint anyone or feel like you're letting anyone down. So right, that's another thing that I struggle with, especially right now. 
just trying to make sure everyone's happy. And then you forget to make yourself happy sometimes. Right. So sometimes setting boundaries looks a lot like taking people off though. And so I'm wondering as a nine, like, so on one hand, conserving your energy or recharging your energy is hugely important for you. But on the other hand, so is keeping the peace. So how do you like straddle that? Sometimes I don't. (laughs) Sometimes like just like saying the word, no, people are like, you said no to me. And I'm like, yeah, is that okay? (laughs) Is it okay that I said no? And you know, and sometimes like your, you know, your need to, I guess, preserve your own energy, preserve your own self looks like other people getting offended or getting upset with you. And sometimes you have to just take that and realize that you're not doing anything wrong, but also making other people realize that you're not doing anything wrong either, you know, especially like I bottle things up sometimes. And then when I release them, people are like, why are you getting so defensive? Why are you, I'm not, I'm just telling you how I feel. So it's very much like a balancing act and making myself realize, you know, standing up for yourself isn't necessarily, you know, being cruel to others or being mean or, you know, being selfish even. Right. So as, sorry, as part of that gut anger triad, like, because you were just talking about it, um, like all of a sudden it might come out on people like, Oh wait, why are you angry? And you're like, I'm not, I'm just telling you how I feel. But, um, nine to the most detached from that anger center, um, as the, what they, we call the anchor point of that triad. Um, and so a lot of times nines don't access anger very easily and it ends up coming out more like passive aggressiveness or maybe defensiveness later, but how, like, how do you relate to anger? Do you see that kind of stereotypically for you? See, I don't get, I always tell myself like, I don't get angry, but is it, I don't get angry or I don't let myself get angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that that's the big difference is, you know, I it's just like, brush things off and say, Oh, you know, that's not a big deal. You know, people are like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. And then I think about it and I'm like, yeah, that kind of, maybe I was a little bit angry, (laughs) but it's hard to identify that feeling sometimes I think because you try to see both sides of everything and you try to, you know, make sure that you're looking at things like from both directions. So sometimes you do get angry and you're like, Oh, is that what that was? <laughs> so <laughs> then it com- then it does come off as like me being aggressive or pushy, but I think that I don't express my anger and then it takes people by surprise. Yeah. Yeah. As, as a fellow, like in the gut anger triad with you, I'm a one and I cannot be more different in my expression of that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't allow myself to for a long time either because it was like the wrong thing to do. So a little bit different as you, but when it finally did, I couldn't even help it. It just like was like Mount Vesuvius. It just blew. And that was, that was just all it was going to be. And if you were standing in the wake of that, sorry. And I came back and apologized later. (laughs) See, even like in the classroom, if my students did something wrong, I'm like, guys, I'm getting really upset right now. I'm getting really, I'm getting really frustrated. Like if you're upset, why are you smiling? I was just about to ask you that too. I'm trying to kill everybody, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Like I smile when I'm angry because I don't know how to express it any other way. Oh, that's actually really precious. (laughs) (laughs) I'm angry, you guys. Stop it. That's awesome. I'm starting to feel like maybe I coerced you into doing this podcast and you were like, (laughs) You were probably like, can I say no? And I was probably like, no, you can't. <laughs> it was really funny because I was like, why does she want to talk to me? What did I do wrong? I'm like, 
Oh. <laughs> I really don't want to do this. Like, is that me being a nine? Yes. <laughs> not wanting to do this, but then I thought about her and I was like, oh, well, she's always been really nice to me. So <laughs> I guess I can do it. I love it. Thank you for showing up. I, I actually think that's one of the things that is significant for a nine when you finally do give yourself permission to show up and like just be in in the whatever the spotlight or the relationship or the thing um yeah like I was saying with one of my my son is a nine and that word like significance that you're significant when you show up we need what you have to contribute and that's a beautiful gift so thank you for giving that gift to us today oh that makes me uncomfortable oh Oh, I'm sorry I didn't mean to make you uncomfortable no no it's just it's it's a thing like oh they need me but why I have nothing to offer I'm like hope I don't bore them because I'm so you are getting your second master's degree and you work with multilingual children you are not a boring person far from it It's, it's everyday life it's normal. Yeah. Well, not everybody does that every day. <laughs> I know. I didn't even know the school existed or like anything like that was possible until I just kind of like landed in it. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of cool. It is really cool. Hang on. Before we get off track, can I, I want to go back to making you uncomfortable again. Okay. Um, it's fine. Um, so sometimes I wonder, and, and if you really don't want to answer this, I won't force you, but for a nine, I wonder how much of the time it's I don't want to show up because it's going to take too much energy or because it's not worth the peace it's going to disrupt. Or is it, I don't want to show up because I'm not significant enough. It's probably a little bit of both. I think that, you know, especially like talking about yourself and, you know, having to carry a portion of like something important that's happening is like really draining for me. And then I, I know I'm going to have to like, shut this down and then go recharge in about 10 minutes. Like just after this is over, and then I'm going to like shake it off because, you know, it's like, I'm shy and quiet. So like, that's a thing, but also like, what do I have to offer? That's so important, you know? And that, that's, that sounds really depressing, <laughs> but it's not as depressing as it sounds. It just is. It's just like other people have like so much more to offer. And I'm just like a person existing and like all of this craziness. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And what you are offering to us is for us to understand how nines see the world and see themselves in it. And that's different than the way I see my world and the way I think others see me. And I think that's really valuable to hear. Even if you're not a nine, you know, to, to understand that there is someone in your life like this and the way they're viewing the world is very different from the way you view the world. Just like Megan and I, we're one and four. We couldn't be more different as well, you know? So we just, I think sometimes when we go through life, we assume that the the glasses we're wearing is the way everybody else is seeing the world colored, you know, but it, it's different. And that's very, um, what is the like emotional intelligence? It's really important that our <laughs> EQ grows in these ways, or we can get really pigeonholed in how we view and see um, others and, you know, just what's right and wrong and all of that. Well, you know, as a nine, I can see how everyone views the world. <laughs> well, there you go. And that, that is the gift that you bring for sure. Nine see it all, apparently. <laughs> I used to say like, just do what's right all the time. And I was like, oh, not everyone just inherently knows what's the right thing to do. So that was really condescending of me to assume that everybody thought the way I thought. So I think that's really amazing that you already knew that. (laughs) (laughs) No, 
I don't think I actually knew that. I think I was just <laughs> remembering. Well, you were, you, you just lean into that because you yeah. see all sides. Yeah. Yeah. It's so yeah. kind of a cool thing to have. Yeah. And you can see all sides, but it also makes you really bad at making decisions. Right. Uh, for me? No, <laughs> <laughs> I do not ask my sister <laughs> before I buy anything, which one do I need? Should I buy this? Are you sure? Okay, but what if I don't buy it? What if I do buy it? No, it's it's an awful thing to have to be plagued with. Like I was saying before we started, like I can't even go to a restaurant without looking at the menu <laughs> beforehand. And then like the whole way driving there, I'm like, okay, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? And then, oh, I don't want that anymore. Then I have to study the menu even more. Like I was... <laughs> Just to make <laughs> the decision. <laughs> there's a... I'm not going to say the restaurant's name, but there's a particular restaurant that... Every time I go to it, I'm like, oh, I really don't want to go there, but okay, let me look at the menu. Even though I know what they have, like I know very well what they have and what they don't have. So I look at the menu and I study it. And then the whole way there, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. And then I get there and they're like, oh, sorry, we're out. And I'm like, <laughs> no, like every time it happens, every time they're always out of like the one thing that I like there. Oh, funny. So then I have to spend another 20 minutes, like holding the poor waitress up. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sorry. I just don't know. I just don't like any of the food here. <laughs> I just don't know what I want. So, yeah, I'm really bad at making decisions. You know, and I just was thinking this might be a valuable service to offer people in retail um, and service industries, like Enneagram training, so that people could like walk in and just hold up their numbers, and they would be like, "Oh, it's a table with an eight, so let's get everything right, so they don't send it back." And oh, it's a one, so they're going to expect the service to look like this. And oh, it's a nine, we'll just give them some more time, like. <laughs> Or they'll figure it out. And don't hover offering suggestions because that's just exhausting. <laughs> that is one thing. I'm like, so what do you like? And I know they hate me when I do that, but <laughs> like I legitimately like want to know what they like. Maybe, maybe I would like it. Maybe I won't. I don't know. <laughs> but I just need help making decisions sometimes. <laughs> All right. I know this is fascinating, but I also want to get down to something that is like the actual hard question that we didn't give you a heads up we were going to ask. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I know. Well, because we really always want to tie the Enneagram as a tool that helps us in our growth individually as well as just spiritually too. Have you seen any connection to knowing this about yourself now? Um, having like being able to identify this that I'm this type, have this lens I see the world through. And has that like how does that connect with your walk with the Lord and spiritually, you know, have you seen any growth in that area or maybe just some awareness that you didn't have before? You know, it, you know, when I think about like spiritually and growth and just like the church in general, like one of my things is like walking to a new church and like just being terrified mm. of being there and like having to like meet new people and, you know, you know, like, how do I act? Do I have to dress a certain way? And just like that decision-making that you have to do beforehand is just exhausting. Yeah. And even like, oh, I don't want to sit in someone's seat or <laughs> like people have like their own like assigned seats. That like, this is right. my seat. This is my spot. You know, like, can I go talk to that person? Should I not talk to that person? It's just like so exhausting. So like once you get past that, you just have to clear all that out and just focus on like what's important. And that's, you know, going within yourself to find that relationship with the Lord. And I think that's something that I've had to, you know, double down and focus on myself. It's like not being so much worried about like the church and like the people and like all the like the things, the noise. Right. Just focusing on 
the important piece. And that's something that, you know, when I was younger, I really struggled with. But now it's like a lot more peaceful <laughs> once you remove all the noise and, you know, figure out like it doesn't really matter, like, you know, where you go or, you know, who the people are there or, you know, where you sit and like all those little things. Sure, sure. And, and just then, getting more comfortable in your own skin to know that those, you they will stress you, but if you know ahead of time, you know, that you don't need to focus on that, um, it sets your focus in the right place. I'm sure that that's a big key. It's tuning all that out. Like mm-hmm. a lot. And then just, you know, when I was teaching at the school, um, the Christian Academy with you guys, I've, no, I've the students like always open like every class in prayer. And then one day, one of the girls said to me, you know, we never heard you pray before. I'm like, <laughs> you have it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh my, I, that's a really important part of it. <laughs> like, why haven't you heard me pray before? And I realized it's because like, I didn't want to make anyone uncomfortable by saying the wrong thing mm. or by, you know, not doing it like the right way or the way that like they would expect Megan to do it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh. <laughs> I guess I can do that. <laughs> that might have been my daughter that said that to you, but we won't we won't blame her. <laughs> it was not your daughter. Oh, it wasn't. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, I know who it was. <laughs> like, but like it was like it just like caught me off guard. I'm like, oh, they probably think that I am some heathen walking around this school right now <laughs> because they never heard me pray. Uh-huh. But I'm I'm just like really shy and quiet like already. And then when you throw in like all of those like insecurities. Right. Like a sixth grader calling you out on it. (laughs) Okay. I should probably get my act together. (laughs) It's interesting that you say, said like, you don't want to do it the wrong way. And I mean, that would be a big reason why, you know, Deidre might stay quiet in a crowd too. It's because she doesn't want to say something the wrong way, but it's a different motivation because she's not really worried about disrupting the peace. It's more about, well, how are people going to view me if I say it the wrong way? And you're more like, I don't want to offend other people because it might cause a conflict. So it's a slightly different motivation, but, um, I've seen this, she and I talk a lot about like how to interact on social media and Deidre, I'm going to talk for you here, but I know that on social media, especially in this last year where there's been so much divisiveness and so much controversy, you've basically been like, I mean, I, there's not, I don't know how to say anything right because I'm just going to take somebody off. So Shaquita, I know you are on social media and I know this has been a year of a lot of controversy and as a nine, how do you deal with that? Literally, I just like everyone else posts. <laughs> like I like how you said that like like, like I'm not going to speak for myself like mm. I'm not going to say anything because I think it goes back to that you know who cares what I have to say mm. <laughs> like and also I don't want to you know offend my friend to have different viewpoints than me or make them feel like they're stupid or wrong so I just go oh. through and like I retweet I guess what do you do on Instagram repost sure yeah that thing I just like take stuff from other people (laughs) and then I'm like, here, this sounds good. I didn't write it, but here's what I feel. And it's like a lot of liking and like even commenting. Like if it's a public post, I won't comment on it Mm -hmm. just because I don't want anyone to see that. Like, (laughs) like I commented and like what I, I don't know. Yeah. So it's a lot of like staying quiet and, you know, trying to get the confidence to post for yourself, but also not finding that confidence and just like, 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 well, I don't like it. No, I'm proud of you for the likes. I, sometimes I get in trouble for liking things. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not very courageous. And like, even like the stuff that's like really like close to my heart, like the black lives matter thing. 
I'm like, oh, I don't have to say anything because of course I don't want to die. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I feel like people should understand that already. <laughs> well, you would well, know. Take that. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, just stuff like that. It's like, why should I have to say that when, like, I feel like it's implied that I wouldn't, <laughs> that, like, I would think that my life matters, you know? So, I don't know. It's just one of those things where, like, I don't want to say anything if it's going to rock the boat or right. if it's going to draw more attention to me. Because even when I post something and it gets a lot of likes on it, I'm like, oh, that's a lot of attention. Oh, even if it's positive? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Positive attention, negative attention. Not well, really. this is going to be fun for you when this episode drops and we're all like raving about you for a few days. Yeah. I thought about that. I'm like, how many people listen to this? <laughs> I think I even asked you, do I have to talk on it? <laughs> well, that's implied as well. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we could share the Zoom recording of our three faces on here, but I don't think any of us came prepared for that. Okay. Another thing I did, I was like, is there a video? <laughs> I went to your website, like, are there videos? The things I remember Hope posted a screenshot in her Instagram story, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, we just, we just took a picture. We won't do that with you. <laughs> she's a three she's got a lot of energy for that kind of stuff <laughs> oh yeah absolutely a lot of energy in that one <laughs> that's funny well I think I would just like to tell you and for any nine that's listening not only does your life matter like we were just talking about obviously black lives matter not only does your life matter Shaquita but your presence and your opinion and your words matter and we are thankful for when we do get to hear them and when you do show up so I just really appreciate that you did this oh well, thank you it was yeah thank you for asking me because like I said, why me? Why? I have nothing, <laughs> nothing to contribute to this conversation. Well, you did. And it was good. And I'll fill in the blank for you. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun for me. You might be sweating and want to just end the Zoom call, but it was fun. But we appreciate you. And this actually wraps up this first Enneagram series that we've done where we've gotten to interview one of each type. So it's been really cool. And I think it was fun that we got to come back to you because it's been a couple years since I've seen your face. So nice to be in the same room with you again. And if you haven't heard this yet, I don't know if you've been listening to our podcast episodes, but we are having a women's retreat in Colorado in November and you should totally come and we won't even make you talk, but you should come just to be a really, really good nine representative for us. See, am I really a good representative though, or am I just kind of quirky and weird? <laughs> I mean, you were very nine, so <laughs> you were great. Yes. No, that would actually be really cool because I haven't gone anywhere in a long time. I'll be All right. Get some people together. That's right. Or just have your own room to yourself, so you can recharge when you're sick of listening to all of us talk around you. <laughs> all of you people with energy. Yes. <laughs> How dare you? Well, thank you so much for coming today. We look forward to sharing this with the world. <laughs> Gosh, I will not be listening to it, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks guys. And that wraps up another episode of the Dauntless Grace Exchange. You can follow us on social media to stay connected. We're on Instagram at Dauntless Grace Ministries and our Facebook page is Dauntless Grace. And you can join the conversation in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash team DGM. 
For more about the Enneagram, visit our website at dauntlessgrace.org. For information and pricing about individual coaching sessions, and we even offer virtual and in-person staff training opportunities for your organization. You can also follow me on Instagram at Enneagram Megan. And be sure to check out our website for more information about today's podcast at dauntlessgrace.org. And while you're there, check out our retreat for this November 2021 in Colorado. We have registration live and we would love to see you there.